Welcome. You have found the Find the Gem podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Watson, and I'll be your host as we embark on a journey to discover the genuine enlightened moments that spark meaning, joy, and energy into the lives of young people. The pod delivers helpful resources, tools, and tips through stimulating conversations with the leading experts in the field of youth development, youth service leaders who are the victors in their work with young people, and young people who will share, teach, and inspire all other generations with their passion and wisdom. Good afternoon. This is Dr. Jennifer Watson with Find the Gym Coaching, and today we have an extraordinary guest with us, John Van Arnhem, who is the founder and CEO of The Third Talk, which specializes in coaching parents how to have the pornography prevention talk with teens. Welcome, John. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Jennifer. Yeah, thanks uh, for joining us today. Um, so this is a very intriguing topic um, that I think that uh, we could all learn something from. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about you and, and the third talk? Sure. So um, the third talk is specifically designed to initiate the conversation between parents and their young people regarding online pornography. Uh, and this topic has been um, sort of historically very difficult for parents and young people to have uh, to the point where a lot of times parents just don't have the conversation. Uh, and so uh, we have set up our organization to provide um, sort of an intermediary and uh, initiate the conversation and then um, set it up so that the parents can continue that conversation in an ongoing way. Why do you think that this is a topic that people, you know, don't want to talk about? What, what's the scary part of this topic? Well, I mean, I, you know, I will offer that I'm a parent and I certainly understand from experience how um, tricky this can be. But I think one of the things that really comes up is that um, it can be challenging for parents to have the conversation about the birds and the bees with their, with their young person. And um, the time that is necessary to have an effective conversation about online pornography uh, from a prevention standpoint, really is about eight or nine. And so the, just the thought of having to have this conversation with a young person, a child really, um, who's so young, just seems, um, you know, kind of out of the norm. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that on the average, our young people first encounter online pornography at the age of 11 here in the United States. So uh, if you, as a, as a grown person, as a grown up, as a parent, are interested in prevention, uh, that conversation really happen, needs to happen pretty early. And uh, that's pretty scary for a, lot of, for a lot of parents. Can you talk a little bit more about how pervasive pornography is? Sure. Um, well, let me offer that before um, COVID-19, you know, affected all families um, as we are sequestering now and being at home more and not going to schools and not going to summer camps and things that are coming up. 
uh, before COVID-19, Google would report an increase in pornography searches in its search engines um, in the hour that school let out um, in the three time zones across the country uh, by 4,700%. Uh, during COVID-19, we are seeing increases in um, daily pornography searches uh, from numbers that are as high as 40%. So pre-COVID-19 to post-COVID-19, those numbers have gone up dramatically. Um, I guess one of the most um, you know, compelling stats is that uh, the, one, of the, one of the largest porn companies in the world uh, shows about 3,500 um, pornography videos per second every day of, uh, you know, every minute of every hour of every day. So it, it, it's a lot. There's a lot out there. Um, and how, how is it being, you know, what platforms is it being accessed from? And who tends to be the, the majority of people that are accessing pornography to this extent? So um, that's a great question. One of, the, one of the things that I think that, again, that parents um, tend to be um, less informed about is that uh, young people can find pornography on any platform that is connected to the internet and do. Uh, your Kindle. Uh, your PlayStation, your Xbox, um, obviously your phone and your computer, even school computers, uh, kids can break through those filters. So um, it's really ubiquitous across every platform that is available to young people. Um, and, you know, they're, they're gonna find it. Um, and I will also offer that a lot of times, young people will see this content for the first time um, the back of a school bus or on a sleepover or somewhere where kids all get together, um, you know, to just do regular kid stuff. And sometimes as a parent, you may feel that you're doing a good job supervising, monitoring their internet use, and then they visit with a friend and all of a sudden they're instantly exposed to something you'd rather they not see. Yeah. Um, so... What, what about, do you, do you offer any kind of suggestions in terms of restrictions and ways to, you know, help parents uh, be aware of this accessibility to extremes? So um, we have found, and this is, you know, many decades of work around this topic, that communication is really the only salve here. Um, because when uh, parents or grown people try to restrict this, um, young people will just find a different way to see it. And um, with, you know, taking into consideration the way the world is for our young people and not maybe the way that we wish it was, um, we really believe that exposure um, is all but inevitable. And that communication about the uh, challenges that this can present for young people and their developing mind um, is really the best way forward. So 
while I understand that there are restrictions out there and there are filters and, and um, those are effective in what they do, um, we at The Third Talk really stress communication and prevention. And, you know, and before, I want to expand on that a little bit, but first, can you talk a little bit about the impact that overexposure to this content can have on, on children? Sure. Um, so, uh, there are numerous studies, Jennifer, that show that this content causes um, loneliness, um, aggression, uh, depression, um, and it can, in extreme cases, lead to, um, you know, intimate partner violence and even assault. Uh, when a young person, let's say from the age of 11, which again is the average here in the United States, sees this content over and over and over, maybe years and years uh, before they engage with another person, their idea of what any sort of interaction with another human being is supposed to be like can be really altered. Um, secondly, um, you know, this content uh, releases dopamine in the brain, which is, uh, you know, the feel-good chemical, uh, and you get dopamine released when you kick a ball into a soccer goal or when you get a 100 on your math test or win a spelling bee or swish one from downtown. Um, the difference is that when you swish one from downtown or win a spelling bee, you may become a really good basketball player or, you know, an exceptional speller um, when you get your dopamine release from from pornography, you may become a very good pornography watcher. And I guess, you know, lastly, and, and this is really sort of, uh, you know, hard to, hard to quantify, um, but, you know, we're having our young people grow up in an environment uh, that takes away individuality and people's own individual interests, and they show up to, uh, engage with people their own age, um, sort of with a preset notion of how that's supposed to go. And, you know, just from a, just from a person standpoint, that that's kind of sad. And are, you know, especially as we've been in quarantine and children have more access to technology and looking for social connection, looking yeah. for ways to, you know, connect with others, um, do, you th do you foresee, I know it's hard to say at this point, but do you foresee any long-term impact from this time in quarantine? Well, I think we're seeing a long-term impact already um, from young people's uh, exposure to online pornography. Um, again, I, I can cite numerous studies that show an increase in the amount and severity of bullying. Mm an increase in the amount and severity of shaming, um, of objectification, of all kinds of, um, you know, items that uh, we, as a, we as a nation are happy to talk about, um, bullying, shaming, and objectification. If you, if you had that problem in your school, for example, there's 1-800 numbers and any number of vendors could show up and put posters in your school. Um, I see pornography as a root cause of a lot of the increase there. Uh, and so when we think about COVID-19, I think it's just a ratcheting up of an already existing sort of challenge that we have. Um, but, uh, you know, it may become more focused. It may become more of a challenge. 
<clears throat> excuse me. Um, it's hard to, it's really hard to say. Yeah, it's really hard to, to know. And is, ha, is there much being done in terms of, I know with the, the HinGem, um, my program, we talk a lot about creating these genuine enlightened moments um, in terms of looking at what young people need in their lives so that they can grow up and be successful and happy and healthy adults. And a part of that is looking at what they do need instead of what they don't need. Um, your approach really does have that kind of focus. And I would, would you talk a little bit about how you approach this uh, topic with parents in, in helping their, their kids? Sure, sure. Um, you know, and I will offer one of the reasons that I'm really excited to do this uh, uh, talk with you, Jennifer, is because of Jem and the, you know, enlightened moments. You know, I think kids need straight talk. Um, and I think that that is an opportunity for parents um, to have that straight talk. Um, yeah, so I, the first thing that we do right off the bat is just take blame and shame out of the equation. Um, this is not our young person's fault. And, and, and when we talk to parents, we make sure that they understand that, 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 you know, their young person did not create the internet. They did not create smartphones. They did not create hundreds and hundreds of millions of, of videos available at the press of a button. They did not create the, you know, innate human interest hard baked into our DNA uh, that all human beings have um, in connecting in some way with other human beings. So we really take blame out of the equation um, uh, because shame is one of the challenges that we have in having this conversation. And truly that's ubiquitous across, you know, parents feel shame talking about it. Young people feel shame talking about it. So we just take that right out of the equation. Um, we say to parents, you know, you know, your parents didn't have to have this conversation with you because online pornography didn't exist. So there's no template for a parent to, model. They can't say, well, when, you know, when my mom or my dad talked to me about this because it just didn't exist. So, you know, in the same way that this is really not our young person's fault, um, they didn't create this challenge. Um, it's really not the parent's fault either. Um, having said that, of course, the responsibility now fully lies on the parent um, to have this conversation. And that's, that's where we come in just to help them initiate it. I think that's a wonderful aspect and way of looking at this because I, I think a lot of the problems that impact youth, society has a tendency to see that as, as the young people's fault, that they are responsible for the problems that they um, experience. And this is, you're saying that, look, pornography's an issue, it's out there, it's not their fault that that it's so accessible that it's available to them um and therefore we need not to shame them when they do look at it um and that we need to to help them so in that line of thinking then you know a parent sees their child on looking at pornography maybe they found they've been looking at it for hours and hours uh, what would you recommend their next step being in addressing that uh, without not going into too much detail in your approach? But sure. what, 
guess that what would be a next step that they could do in that situation? Well, so I will offer that, that, that we say to parents, um, you know, when you were growing up, when you, when you, Mr. or Mrs. Parent, were a young person and you had a device that, you know, looked like this and had hundreds of millions of pornography videos on it and you were 14, 15 or 16 years old, you know, you would watch that. It's, you know, just because it's available now, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm fond of saying that if there's any parent out there that thinks to themselves that they wouldn't look at that when they were that age, that's also a parent that is very happy. Time only travels in one direction. So we could never go back and, and prove that theory, prove that theory wrong. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, the first thing to do is to just, is to not freak out. You know, this, this, this content is hurtful to our young people. It is challenging to their brain. It is um, scary in its effect. Um, but the sure number one way to make sure that your young person is not going to listen to what you say is to get upset, yell, freak out, wag your finger in their face and tell them that they're a bad kid. Um, so we really, again, try to stay with the focus of the way the world is for our young people right now, not the way we wish the world was. And, and another thing that I love that you do, you talk about is, you know, not just looking at when it does happen, you know, in that situation, once they viewed it, then you react to it. It's in promoting healthy behavior and healthy relationships early on so that is that is helping young people to make better decisions and think through those actions. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. You know, so um, again, lots of statistics. A lot of them are already on the site. But, you know, there are um, surveys done of young people who would much rather send a nude picture of themselves to a interest to a person that they have interest in than hold hands. And that is, that, that's, that's on parents, you know, that, that's on parents to, to really address that. And, and while I am um, very empathetic and very sympathetic and try very hard to make sure that we all um, are communicating in a, in a very real way, this truly is on parents um, to have this conversation. Our young people are growing up in a world that is their world and we've created it for them. Um, you know, so the, the sort of, um, verbalization of what a, a, a grown-up, what a grown person, a parent wants for their young person is equally as important as what they don't want for them. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes that our young people are learning about sexuality, certainly on their own. They go online and they learn about their own sexuality and it's akin to, you know, learning how to swim by being kicked off Niagara Falls. Um, nobody learns how to swim that way. We all put on the little swimmies and get in a small pool and join the guppies. And that's how we begin to learn how to swim. It's the same thing with our own individual sexuality. Sexuality is a natural, normal, healthy, wonderful, gradual exploration process. And um, that also needs to come from, from grown people and from parents discussing what they want for their young people and not not just what they don't want. Oh, absolutely. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. And 
But before we end this though, what could you tell us about what kinds of services do you provide? How could we learn more? Where could people go to get in contact with you? Sure, so um, one of the things that we used to do is provide um, individual family um, counseling, um, usually in the home of, uh, of families. We don't obviously do that anymore due to the pandemic, but we sure do that over Skype or Zoom. Um, uh, but people can certainly go to the website um, and that's www.thethirdtalk.org um, and they can sign up for a time to meet with us and have a conversation um, and also uh, there's a contact form in there if they have individual questions and you know we look forward to we look forward to helping this you know our our young people only get to be young people one time so we we think it's really important for for grown-ups to sort of figure this out and and uh and get to it and we're here to help well thank you for uh doing that and ensuring that um our young people um can reach their potential and be who they're meant to be uh, yeah. and what i'll do too is i'll put um your uh website and information in the post when i make this yeah. post also we are going to include this talk in our course so those of you who are interested in taking the hidden gem how to help your teens find their passion and purpose uh, john's video will be a part of that as well as any other resources um, he provides and contact information for him so please be sure to join take the course um, and i hope that uh, john and i will continue to talk more and um, we will we're really appreciative of having you today thank you thank you jennifer it's a pleasure Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please donate to the paypal.me slash findthegym and be sure to subscribe to the Find the Gym podcast on our website at www.findthehiddengym.com and also join us on Facebook at The Hidden Gym.